It's wonderful to be in the presence of Almighty God as we worship together today. And if you could have been positioned where I was just a few moments ago, surrounded by the music from the harp, the organ, and the choir all at the same time, you would have truly experience the presence of God. I am so grateful for the opportunity to worship in such a way. It reminds me of how God just wraps his arms around us and gives us a big hug. That's how I felt as I was experiencing worship just now. So thank you, Philip, for leading that and Michelle for directing and Ashley for your playing today. We thank you. You're probably looking at me and wondering what happened to my hair. And um, because of our children's strong devotion and generosity during vacation Bible school, we were able to raise over, I believe, $1,200 toward flood relief in West Virginia. And because they achieved such a goal, Amanda had to spray her hair purple, and I think it was for like 10 days. And then I agreed that if they reached beyond that, that I would color my hair pink, and I think that's what it is. So today, thank you children for being so awesome that I get to share with other people the reason why I have pink hair. And I'm sure this afternoon as we're traveling down I-95 toward our vacation, I'll have plenty of opportunities to do that at the rest stop or at the welcome center or at the restaurant as we stop for dinner. We have about eight hours drive. We're going down to South Carolina for the week. And uh, so it'll be fun to see what kind of doors God opens to allow me to share the reason for the pink hair. So thank you, church, for being so gracious and for making it such a fun place to be. And um, we're, it's just a great opportunity that we have. So now we're going to turn in our uh, Bibles to Exodus chapter 15. And we're going to read verses 20 through, 22 through 27. The context here is the Israelites, after they have just passed through the Red Sea, on dry ground with a wall of water to their right and a wall of water to their left. And now they find themselves in the wilderness. Follow along on your phone app or on your, in your Bible or with the words on the screen. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, They could not drink its water because it was so bitter. The narrator says that's why this place is called Marah. And verse 24, so the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, 
for I am the Lord who heals you. That's our focus verse. God says, I am the Lord who heals you. And then verse 27, Then they came to Elim, where there were twelve springs and seventy palm trees. And they camped there near the water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As you heard Amanda say in the children's message, last Sunday we launched a brand new message series here at HRBC called Dear God. And we're focusing on five different names of God that we find in the scriptures. And we're seeking to help to incorporate those names of God into our prayer life. There are over a hundred different names for God in the Bible. These unique, unique names reveal God's essential character and nature. They help us to see how God works in all sorts of situations. Last Sunday, the name that we, dis- that we explored was El Shaddai. El Shaddai means God Almighty. El meaning God and Shaddai meaning powerful, strong, and mighty. El, as you remember, is a shortened way of saying Elohim in the Hebrew. It simply means God. We find that in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created. In the beginning, God. Elohim. And then last Sunday, we acknowledged that Shaddai means powerful. Powerful as the ancients saw the mountains. Powerful as they would see a volcano erupt powerful that would help them to understand the awesomeness of God. And Shaddai also comes from a root that means nurturing as a mother nurses a baby. So the Hebrew people, in acknowledging God Almighty, El Shaddai, they were able to understand God as powerful and mighty, yet caring and nurturing. One God revealing God's self in different ways, depending on on our circumstances. God wanted Abraham, which was the context of that name of God, to know that nothing is too big or too small for our good God. And we acknowledge that nothing is impossible with God. We want to remember that while there are a lot of different names for God in the Scriptures, there is but one God. God who revealed God's self to us as creator and sustainer of all that exists In Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, our Savior, our Redeemer, our friend, and the Holy Spirit, the power of God that enables us to do the work of God. One God, triune God, revealed in different ways. Three persons of the Holy Trinity. But there are a lot of names for God in the Scripture. So we want to make sure that we understand that as we study today. You've already heard the passage read, we join Moses and the people of Israel as they have experienced a great spiritual victory. They have been led through the Red Sea on dry ground, and then they enter the wilderness. I don't know about you, but there are times that I've been on a retreat or I've been at a conference, and I come back revived and renewed. It's like being on a spiritual mountain. Maybe you've, maybe you've been at Eagle Eyrie up in the hills Maybe you have been at Ridgecrest or another place where you can just experience God in such a mighty and powerful way, and then you come back to earth, and then the wilderness hits, and you wonder what happened. 
That's what's going on in the people of Israel's minds. They've experienced this wonderful victory over Pharaoh and his armies. God has led them through the Sea of the Red Sea, and now they're in the desert. They went through the, the, the sea with wall of water to their right, the wall of water to their left. They were free from Egyptian slavery. They would no longer fear Pharaoh and his armies. The people feared the Lord and put their trust in Him and in Moses, the Lord's servant. So the the first part of Exodus 15 is celebrating what's happened. Moses sings. Miriam, his sister, sings. And there's great celebration over what the Lord has done. And then they face the desert. The next leg of the journey, they meet tumbleweeds and sandstorms and parched tongues. They met the wilderness, the desert of Shur, for three days travel with no water. And the research that I did says that human beings can go only about two or three days with no water, and then they will not survive. You can go longer without food, but not nearly as long without water. Spiritual victory was soon forgotten, but can you blame them? A lot of times we give the Israelites grief and we say, you faithless people, you just experienced the Red Sea. Can't you understand that God's going to deliver you through this? But they were just normal people like us. And I imagine that if I were in the desert and I hadn't had anything to drink for nearly three days, that I would be feeling just like them. They gave Moses a hard time, and who could blame them? Slavery was beginning to look really good comparing to dying of thirst in the desert. Thankfully, they came to Marah, and they could see the water, and they got up to it only to find that it was not suitable for drinking, but it was bitter. Have you ever turned on your faucet and you smell rotten eggs? Have you ever gone camping and only to find that the stream that you are going to drink from and cook from has white foam flowing down. You've seen that. Some of you may have driven over there at the intersection of 288 and Route 60 heading towards Powhatan, and there's a retaining pond down there at the exit that is just green with algae, so much algae that you could probably walk across it. I imagine that that would have been the smell and the sight of the people as they came to this body of water that was bitter. I remember several years ago, we were at Melanie's parents' house down in Columbia, South Carolina. This is before her dad passed away. And I turned the tap water on in our bathroom, and it was smelly, and it was like orange-yellowish. So I told everybody, don't drink the water. We need to figure out what's happening. I crawled into the house where their water heater is, and I saw that the water heater had started to leak on top, and water was coming out and getting down under the crawl space in the house. So we called the plumber, and sure enough, apparently the uh, corrosion had set in and had discolored the water, and it had given it a really yucky iron taste. So some of you understand what that's like. If you live in Flint, Michigan, if you were to live in Flint, Michigan, you would find that the water was not drinkable due to a number of 
mistakes or even cover-ups as alleged in the government, the people's water in Flint, Michigan was tainted and became lead uh, uh, content, it had a lead content in it. And it was dangerous for everybody, especially the children, to drink. Last year, Isabella wrote a paper for school on the crisis of the water in Flint, Michigan. So those people know exactly what it's like to have water that's not suitable for drinking. Many people around our world understand what that is like. Many of the problems health-wise in our world can be solved with clean drinking water. And I'm glad that our denominational partners like the CBF are doing some things in strategic areas to help provide wells and also to provide water purification systems. I believe the Greens, um, Matthew, are involved in that. Ron and Melin Green, missionary partners that we support every year, are involved in providing clean water in the area where they serve. Marah meant bitter. The Israelites finally found water, but it was bitter, so much so that the town was named bitter. The word Marah comes from a Hebrew word, Marar, which means bitter or bitterness. The town was known for its water. You would not have seen on a bottle of water a label that said, this water was drawn fresh from the spring at Marah. That would not have happened. The town was known for its water. I read in Reader's Digest online a piece that speaks of other cities that have strange names. Boring Oregon. Lonelyville, New York, Cranky, Louisiana, and I like this one, Greasy, Oklahoma, real names. So if you were from that area, you might have said, I'm from Bitter. I'm not bitter about it, but I'm from Bitter. The town was known by its spring water. We can also find this word in other parts of Scripture. It is used numerous times in the book of Job, Job who suffered so greatly. We also find it in the book of Ruth. You remember Naomi, Ruth's mother-in-law, experienced so much hardship. She was grief-stricken because not only had she lost her husband, but her two sons. And she wanted to change her name. Ruth 1.20, quote, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, which meant bitter. In the New Testament, we find yet again references to this bitter word, this word that means bitter. When the Magi came to the infant Jesus bringing gifts, they brought what? You remember the three gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And myrrh comes from marar. It means bitter. It was often used as an ointment in embalming. And it is said by scholars that perhaps that gift was a foreshadowing that Jesus would die and be buried for our sins. And in Matthew 27, 34, the soldiers placed Jesus on the cross and they offered him wine mixed with gall. This was to serve as an anesthesia to numb the pain. Gall was very bitter and was from the same plant as was the myrrh that was presented to Jesus by the Magi. We know that Jesus willingly refused to receive it because he desired to experience the fullness of the pain and the suffering and the punishment on the cross on our behalf. 
the people of Israel were in the wilderness. The water was bitter. The town was named bitter. And they were bitter. They blamed Moses and they blamed God. And you can't blame them. Moses cried out to God, which would become a common theme in his leadership. And the Lord did something very strange. The Lord showed him a piece of wood. Take this wood, and Moses did, and then he threw it into the water there at Marah. And the water became sweet. It became suitable for drinking. This was one of the many miracles that God would perform while the people were journeying in the wilderness. How quickly they were reminded of God's provision yet again. The God who divided the waters of the Red Sea would make bitter water drinkable, and not only drinkable, but sweet. God had their attention. And God spoke to them and then made a promise and said, listen, I I need you to be faithful. I will not bring upon you any of the things that happened to the Egyptians while Pharaoh was not listening. The people would need to listen to God. They needed to do what was right in God's eyes. They needed to obey God's commands. And then God revealed a name by which they could understand Him in their situation. I am the Lord who heals you. I am Jehovah Rophe. This is the name of God that we are seeking to pray as we acknowledge the healing that we need. The God who heals you is a translation of the Hebrew Jehovah Rophe. And it reminds us that God is the source of all healing. And after revealing this name to the people, then God led them to a place called Elim, which was like an oasis, a beautiful place with water that was clean and sweet to drink and with palm trees. You can only imagine what that would have looked like as they journeyed toward it in the desert. God refreshed their spirits and reminded him of his power. We can acknowledge today as Christians that Jesus is our Jehovah Rophe. Jesus has said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Jesus who says, come to all who thirst and I will give to drink of living water. We remember the story in Luke 5 where Jesus was invited to the home of Matthew, the tax collector, who began to follow Jesus. In verse 29, then Levi, Matthew, held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. We know that Jesus came to heal. He said, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came to heal. In Luke 4, he goes to the synagogue in Nazareth for the first time, which was his hometown. And he says this reading from the scroll of Isaiah, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, healing, and to set the oppressed free, healing, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendants and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus, our Jehovah Rophe. We can say with confidence, Jesus is our Jehovah Rophe, our healer. Over my years as a Christian and a Christian pastor, 
I have seen evidence of Jesus as a healer. But you know something? Often my prayers, maybe yours, often my prayers only focus on the physical. Often when we gather in small groups to pray, we acknowledge the need for physical healing. But we may not consider the other ways that God heals us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. God is concerned with the whole person. God desires to give shalom, peace, wholeness to us. And so our key thought is contrary to Christian practice, our prayers are not limited to the physical realm. We must not limit God to just the physical. That God is concerned with the whole person. God desires to give us wholeness and completeness and the peace that passes all human understanding. Jesus himself said, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Paul writes in Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord, the God who desires that we would be whole and complete, the God who desires that we experience the fullness of shalom, cares about all of us, not just a part of us. And yet, yet, there are some things I don't understand. Maybe you would agree with me that there are some prayers in this life that have not been answered in the way that I prayed them. Why the cancer spreads why the dementia worsens, why the nursery is still empty, why the job has not come, why our loved one cannot seem to shake free from the addiction that binds them, and why there's a dad who continuously sits in the house and watches the family back out of the driveway to go to church Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and yet there are prayers and nothing has changed, and I don't understand that. Maybe you connect with me. But, this I know. Not having the answers that I desire does not give me a mandate to cease to pray. Not having the answers that I desire, to my prayers that I desire, does not give me a mandate to cease to pray. We continue to be faithful. We continue to pray to the God who heals, acknowledging that some of the questions that we, that we have may only be answered on the other side. Last Sunday, we acknowledged that nothing is impossible with God. Yes, we may face seemingly impossible circumstances, but as people of faith, people of, of hope, people who hope in Jesus Christ, our Jehovah Rophe, we go through this life acknowledging nothing's impossible with God. And today we acknowledge that God is our healer and that in God's way that all of us who believe in Jesus Christ someday will experience that healing. 
So as we, as we learn to pray to Jehovah Rophe, as we model that in our prayers this week in our prayer closet, I hope that you can take the notes that I've provided for you and use that as a, a way to pray. And we acknowledge today that there are two ways or two main requests that we have of God. One is to experience God's healing, and second, to join God in God's healing. Jehovah Rophe, we pray, help us to experience your healing. Help us to experience the fullness of healing, and it can come in a number of ways. Spiritual, spiritual healing, physical healing, emotional healing, relational healing. Spiritual healing. Maybe you're far from God. Maybe you're farther away from God than you once were. And your desire is to seek spiritual healing, to be drawn back to God. Something has slipped away. Maybe someone has hurt you. Maybe you've been in a church in the past before you came here that was conflicted or somebody was ugly to you or judgmental and you got away from your faith and you pray that, God, I need spiritual healing and pray that Jehovah Rophe would draw you back to God. Or perhaps it's physical that you have some things going on in your life, in your body, with your health, that you, you need to give over to the Lord and pray for that healing. It might be emotional. Maybe you have experienced anxiety. Maybe you've been depressed. Maybe you just don't understand the dark feelings that you have and you can't put a finger on it, but you just know that something is broken and, and you need healing. And perhaps God in that process is going to lead you to talk to one of our pastors or to seek out some counseling and we can help you take those steps so that God can bring about that emotional healing and help you to be whole and complete and feel good again. Maybe it's relational. Maybe there's a family member and you all are disconnected and you haven't spoken in 30 years, 10, 20, 30 years, and something that happened and you don't want to go to your grave with that brokenness there and you want to reconcile. Maybe God can help you take steps toward reconciliation or at least to offer forgiveness if that person won't come around that you can move on and experience the healing God needs. Maybe there's some unconfessed sin in your life. Maybe there's forgiveness that you need to extend, that I need to extend. Uh, we pray, Jehovah Rophe, help me to have that relational healing. Maybe there's a marriage that's struggling. Maybe there are parents and their parents or their children, and there are issues relationally. God is concerned about those relationships and wants to bring healing. Spiritual, physical, emotional, relational. And God wants us to participate in His healing. Second, He wants us to participate in His healing in this broken world. There's division. There's hate. You see it. I see it. And even if others may not accept or acknowledge the gospel and become Christians, we can still help them to learn how to live like Jesus. 
we can still model for other people whom we meet or whom we encounter in our going therefore. And they might see something different in us and perhaps the world would be a better place because we have participated with God in the healing that God desires for this world. I love that verse from the Chronicler. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Jehovah Rophe, we pray, help us to be instruments of your healing. Help us to be instruments. Help us to join you in the healing that you desire for this land and for our world. Perhaps the well-known prayer attributed to St. Francis might be a model. I invite you as I share this prayer to bow your heads, close your eyes, and listen to these words. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Jehovah Rophe, Jesus, our healer, we thank you for being a God who is concerned about all of us, the whole person, not just a part. Help us to acknowledge the areas in our life where healing is needed. May we persist in our prayers. And God, may we join you in this world to be instruments of your healing of your shalom, your peace. Through Christ we pray.